talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Hello, and welcome once again to More Like the Worst Wing The show where here in 2022 we take a look back at Aaron Sorkin's seminal television classic, The West Wing, from a bit more leftist socialist critique perspective. I am Stu. And I am Dave. And today's episode is called La Palabra, which in Spanish means the word. Um, And the word we have... (laughs) The Nino. (laughs) The the word we have at the beginning of the episode is an orange. Yes. Uh, As its poll numbers have been written on the orange's peel... And it is being POV shot, rolled down the hallway of a plane. Uh, as you said, in a very much, go apple, go orange, yeah. go banana. Go banana. <laughs> kind of moment. And so it turns out uh, they're rolling poll numbers. The press is rolling poll numbers down to Josh to try to get him to come back to talk about them. And he's like... What the fuck is these fucking numbers? He comes back and they're like, yeah, uh, uh, Hoynes is up by nine in California. And they're like, and he's like, what? And they're like, it's an internal poll. And he's like, okay. And he basically makes the jerk off motion. Yeah. <laughs> he functionally goes, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And I'm up by nine points in your mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I guess it's like this sets the stage for the theme. The broad theme of the episode is that. Josh is struggling, or he pretends to be struggling, with the fact that they're not getting any media attention to... About what, issues. Yeah, so what he believes distinguishes the Santos campaign from the other fucking mm. weird neoliberal ghouls in right. the race. From, is from that, the two indistinguishable Jack Johnsons and John Jacksons. Yes, and he believes that they need to be engaged more on the issues, not on, like... Polling and, you know, popularity contests and also right. rands and whatnot. Yeah, so the press is constantly trying to get process story type questions out of him about, like, what do you think about this poll? You know, how do you think you're going to do in California? And he's like, I just want us to talk about healthcare and education and stuff like that. And they sort of struggle the whole episode with this of, of trying to stay on message. Santos himself has, like, a bit of a press moment where... He does a bunch of interviews and he's like, haha, good question, but I'm just trying to talk about healthcare. You know, like, haha, you're trying to get me off track, but I just want to bring it all around back to healthcare. And he's trying to, like, stay on message. And so he has the media discipline in some parts, but it takes, like, the whole episode for Josh and the campaign team to learn the very obvious lesson of, but all the questions are going to be about this. Well, the answers aren't going to be. Like, oh, okay, you, you know the answer then. <laughs> Yeah, we, we don't need to, to speak any further, I guess, which is, if if you take that to its logical conclusion, I think it provides for some sort of fun perspective on like, embedded reporting in a campaign anyway, because frankly, like, if the candidacy or if the candidate in their campaign is so, I guess, disciplined, for lack of a better word, about these things, the reporter's questions will be answered yeah. with, like, single one-word answers and then the reporters are just like um okay back to my seat in the Uh, plane i guess so you you just want to give your stump speech on healthcare and education again for the 700th time (laughs) and i mean that's to me that's not necessarily bad because if i have i mean frankly if i have the courage of my convictions which let's be clear your average democrat does not which is why this is such a 
one could pontificate about these issues for a long time if one actually believed in them, yeah. Yeah, and also, to in a unique degree... Ways. Yeah, well, and, and also to a degree, if you have a line in the sand or, like, a true, simple thing, of course I'm going to be repeating myself because I will right. not be wavering. Nothing right. will dissuade me from my belief in the United States' need for a fucking universal healthcare single-payer program. And, and an education system, and, yeah, exactly. Like, that, that is it. So... So, yeah, it's a noble goal, and it's it's just kind of funny that they have to, like, feign incompetence at the messaging <laughs> yeah. thing for 50 minutes, and then Josh can figure it out in the last five, kind of. <laughs> and they also, and so there's, there's, Josh physically says, hey, you're giving me too many questions about blah, 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 why can't I get a policy question? And then, lo and behold, like 45 seconds after he delivers this little diatribe, Mm -hmm. what comes up? A policy question. A big old policy question. So the policy of the episode that wants to interrogate is a bill that is going to ban the issuance of driver's license to illegal immigrants. Uh, And the, this is in California and the governor is thinking about vetoing it. And what uh what's it so hoynes and russell no no hoynes comes out in support of the driver's license revoking mm-hmm. bill yes but then through events we'll talk about later hoynes is no longer a factor the uh bingo bob campaign is staying clear of the issue uh and just yeah, kind of hoping punting, kinda, yeah, yeah they're they're just kind of hoping to get the governor's endorsement anyway and then santos is obviously viciously opposed to the the driver's license banning bill, but is not making any actual verbal, doesn't want to say anything about it. Yeah. Which is, like you said, 45 seconds earlier, Josh is like, God, we just are dying to talk about policy. And a reporter's like, yes, I have a question on immigration policy. And then he's like, "Uh, (laughs) uh, 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 uh." no comment. (laughs) So to let's actually, let's get this out of the way while we're talking about it. Um, So, the Santos's sort of twisty, again, liberal-brained perspective on it is that he does not want to be seen as the Latino candidate. Right. And obviously because, and actually before I even get into this, I just also want to say that I apologize if we use the words like illegal immigrant or illegal person because mm-hmm. the show is quite dated right. in its use of these terms. They 100%. use, I believe they use illegal as like a pronoun. So, like, you know, there are too many illegals in the country. And that's fucked up. But, like, again, artifact of the times. Yeah, Yeah. a documented immigrant was not even around as uh, as an option at the moment. It was just all illegals. We should be thankful they're not saying aliens, to be be quite honest. Yeah, (laughs) no shit. So, he is technically in his own brain stuck in this place where he doesn't just want to be he can't just talking come out specifically to Latinos. Yeah. Yeah. He can't just come out and like advocate strongly for like, Hey, this is a racist policy or whatever. Cause he doesn't want to base. He basically doesn't want to play the race card with his own campaign, which is stupid as hell. <laughs> yes. And to that assertion, I would posit a question. Why not? Yeah. Cause it's sure as hell being played against you. I'll put it that way. Uh, didn't we hear like a few episodes ago how like they were spinning up like anti uh, attack ads about him, about him being Hispanic, like some of the other primary people? I swear, yeah. I swear yeah, that came. I up. think so. Yeah. And so, just as as they go through the episode, this this keeps coming back to him, and Santos keeps 
keeps keeps wanting to not commit like and we were kind of again you draw the comparison to the obama of course campaign and candidacy because given that we're a deeply racist country the Mm -hmm. presumption was just like oh black president is like president for black people right gonna help out black people you know uh probably over white people most people assumed you know he's going to prioritize black people uh and then lo and behold not even close so it's and it's a similar conversation that Santos and the the La Palabra uh, La Palabra guy mm, mm. have. Let's talk about he, that first, actually. So there's yeah. a there they, he meets with what's essentially like a um, lobbyist. It's like guy. a trade association. Lobbyist, yeah, head of like, a trade union type kind of labor organization. Maybe it's it's unclear, but there's some sort of Hispanic government organization called La Palabra, which is the the name of the episode. So he's meeting with its president, and the president is like. Fuck yeah, dude! It is. It's great to see that we are finally getting some representation on in the political in the presidential race. Right. So I can't. I can't wait to have you in there fighting for Latino issues and talking about them all the time. So why aren't you doing it? And then you know, Jimmy Smith comes back with his like, well, I don't want to be the Latino candidate kind of thing. I don't want to like entirely define my campaign by the fact that I am Latino and I'm gonna fight for Latino issues. And then the president guy's like. But if you're not going to fight for Latino issues, then, like, what's the what? point of having a Latino president? <laughs> yeah. Why Why do I care about you if you're yeah. not going to, like, and, help me and, do things? And, he, and Santos has no good response for that. And that's, he essentially nailed the Obama problem way before Obama of, like, sure, it's great that we've had a black president, but he didn't really help out black people that much, unfortunately. And so... Of what gain was having the black president? Yeah, what is what is ultimately the a the the if you're on the other side, what is the fear of having a rep of a of a representational sure. candidate? And on mm. our side, it's like, well, what is the what what's is the, the gain benefit? What's, it's what's just... the material gain outside of you know re- representation is important, of course, and it's nice for you know little black children to be like, well, there was a black president, maybe I could be president one day, and all that kind of stuff. That's great, but material impact is minimal to basically none to maybe even negative. Yeah, because now you know, then uh, again, the Obama phenomenon is like racism was solved when we had a black president. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. And uh, okay, yeah. and he ends. It's in sort of a Nixon goes to China kind of way. He ends up being able to destroy generational black wealth at a level that I feel any white president would have gotten a lot more flack over. Yes, absolutely, because there would have been an awareness of it, and mm-hmm. like yeah, it was just a a presumption almost of so, it going that way. It's very interesting that West Wing is time capsule-y and prescient enough in this particular regard where they kind of nail it. And so he gets out of it at the end of the episode by doing this weird stunt where he stands behind the California governor, as who is a Democrat, who uh, is going to veto the driver license ban bill. And and he's not going to say anything. He's just going to stand there and, and give basically minority cred to this white governor who is going to come out and say like, Hey, this is bill is bad and racist and all the things that in theory we should want Santos to say. Which if I'm not mistaken is, is somewhat akin to what happened in the last episode where there was like a, 
ultimately it was a dodge or a deflection of the responsibility for some, I, I I might be misremembering, but it's just a very, it's a very like, oh, we have yet again, like Zeno's paradoxed this out. We are now exactly halfway to being correct on this issue. <laughs> and the, the halfway point keeps getting smaller and uh-huh. smaller and closer and uh-huh. you never quite get there. Yeah, that's, that's good. And so it ends with him basically saying like, People don't need to hear the, the you know, pro-immigration words that I'm going to say coming out of my mouth because I look Latino. They need to hear it coming out of your mouth, Ray Wise, because you're a white guy. And it's sort of this, like, I guess it's sort of a privilege-focused lens of, like, we need the guy with more privilege to be saying it so people will listen. But in a weird way... Santos has much more exposure than a than like a state governor at this point of being like a, a final two primary candidate. Yeah, I think you are you're absolutely correct. It is I can I can see sort of the the again the weird button twiddling and knob turning calculus <laughs> calculus behind yeah. being like yes, we're going to use this guy as a proxy for our position with a strong theoretically and again this is very democrat brained with a strong enough presumption of endorsement on the part of our candidate but not like in a sound bite there is right. no video of our guy saying it right no actual endorsement because that would be doing something and as yes. we know <laughs> doing something is very risky and should be avoided at all costs yeah so we do, um, also, you mentioned it's Ray Wise who plays the governor. It's fucking mm-hmm. Leland Palmer is mm-hmm. the governor. Mm-hmm. It's great because, like, 35 minutes into the episode haven't been referenced many times. This dude just drops in into this limo with Jimmy Smith, and Emma is sitting on the couch while we're watching. She, she just goes, oh, man, he's incredibly attractive. It's <laughs> like, yeah, awesome. <laughs> And yeah, he, he's um, got instant gravitas. He he owns the role really well in like the three minutes we spend with him. He's great. Yeah, <laughs> he's got like ten lines maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like oh, this is perfect, perfect role. Mm-hmm. Like working actor, just totally. brilliant, brilliant work as the governor here. And the um, where was I going with this? Like they kind of Jimmy Smits. We get an anecdote out of him right. to about why he's <laughs> running. Yeah, and to and to like bolster the argument for represent like representation in the thing, which is actually really funny. Actually, I'm gonna put the clip in here. You know, when I got out of the Marines, I hadn't been around in my own neighborhood in Houston in a few years. I had just gotten this job offer from the Pentagon, and it required a full FBI background check. After a few weeks, the investigators they came up to me and they said, "We can't give you the job. We've interviewed all your old." friends and neighbors and they can't confirm anything not even your name so i hop a plane go back to the old block i see my neighbors 11 and 13 year old kids there they're sitting on the stoop same as always and they see me come they start running towards me and they're shouting deal matt deal matt uncle matt deal matt the feds they were here looking for you we told them we never heard of you 11 and 13. <laughs> because, because yeah, it's good. His, his little cousins or his little nephews didn't snitch. Yeah. yeah it's really the, funny. Yeah. yeah, the neighbor's kids, we didn't tell them nothing, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
It's like, uh, those are good kids. A A cab. <laughs> yeah. The so. fucking feds showed up, man. Yeah. So yeah, it, yeah, and he makes this like that's why I'm running, so that like, if if there was a Latino president, they would have snitched. I I don't. The logic doesn't. <laughs> the logic doesn't track, nor does that seem like a good outcome. But still. Yeah, or, or like you know, it, by by being a brown person on the national stage, this would somehow like reduce the pressure that they would. I think the implication is that the Latino people would become more in love with institutions once one of theirs is running one. That seems Mm. to kind of be the implied angle to his little pitch there. Yeah, which again is a weird uh, kind of juxtaposition with the fact that we're talking about illegal immigrants all the time. Like, oh, I know uh, one institution that, if I'm not mistaken, is currently run by a man who named like Hernandez or something. Yeah. Great job, you know, getting yeah, yeah. ICE and DHS off the fucking... Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so what's ironic or or funny or, like you said, juxtaposed also is that Santo's actual position at the end of the episode seems to be, oh, actually, I want a super secure border. I want, like, a 50-foot wall and, like, fucking <laughs> f- fire-breathing dragons every, like, 100 yards on that wall. And, and he's like, but... If we're not going to do that, and if the border's not going to be super secure, then we should get rid of all this racist bullshit like banning driver's license or whatever. And it's like, it's a very weird, like, uh, uh, okay. Uh, all right. Cool. So you're for a hardcore anti-immigration stat state, but only if we do it competently. How very West Wing liberal. <laughs> it's, it's like, we, we need a really, really just absolutely draconian border policy but if you can defeat me in these three border riddles then we're gonna help you as much as you can welcome yeah, yeah then you you can have welfare benefits and a driver's yeah. license and whatever you need yeah. we'll just integrate you right if, in go ahead if you could answer my riddles three <laughs> yeah, like, na- navigate the american gladiator style obstacle course over <laughs> over the rio grande and and oh, then you're you're home uh, free <laughs> go up against our de- our border security employee yeah, of the month, right. please. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's going to hit you with some big pommel sticks or whatever the fuck. Don't fall off the platform into the river or else you're out. Oh my god. My- I think I th- oh my god. I hope you're not holding the lathe of heaven cuz that's a future style <laughs> fucking running man reality oh, style reality definitely. show <laughs> that is coming to America in like 5 to 10 years. <laughs> hey climate refugees, want to get in? <laughs> or something something along the lines of like, well, if you can, you know, discover cold fusion for us on your way into the country like yeah come on yeah they'll nuts. have all sorts of flavors of it those would be a physical yeah. <laughs> form in american gladiators would be like a mental form with like a trivia show yeah where we, we only let the smart ones in you know all, all sorts of, yeah all sorts of uh, various means testing via game show i mean honestly it'd be better than means testing via fucking <laughs> the government. government office at the at least, in downtown at least people on game shows actually win some goddamn money every now and then <laughs> Oh, and I was wrong about uh, the head of DHS. His name's Alejandro Mayorkas. So oh, see? You'd Representation. Be, you'd be stunned to hear that he's Cuban. And, oh, when was he born? Uh, 1959. Oh, my God. I wonder gosh. what happened in Cuba wonder, in 1959. I wonder, I wonder how what kind of uh, operation his family owned that was given away by the government. <laughs> 
Whew, all right. <laughs> let's uh, let's take a break here, and we'll come back and we'll discuss some other subplots in this episode. Porque yo me siento tan bien Y por eso yo te quiero Porque tú me tratas bien En California Mira, no seas tan mala, nena No me trates así Que yo me quiero morir Muchachita, por tu amor So, the last bit that is happening with the Santos campaign is actually, as we see him, you know, start to accelerate a little bit and it's coming up on a big date. You know, Super Tuesday is incoming and um what we find out midway through the episode with a guest character who god i don't fucking even remember his name drops in it's the santos campaign finance director Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he's he's here with bad news yeah (laughs) surprise they're broke um yeah so he tells josh in no uncertain terms that it's like the campaign will be unable to pay its bills come you know, next week. Yeah, after Super Tuesday, basically. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so he's like, you know, the donations we're raising can finance some stuff, but then the debts are just going to mount and we're fucked without, like, a huge influ- infusion of cash. And so uh, Santos talks about his options with the finance guy, and he's like, you know, can we just fundraise more or something like that? And then he's like, no. He's like, well, what about a loan? Can I take out a loan? Which, and this is very pre-Hillary, this is very funny. Um, and, like, they're like, no, 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 you can't you can't finance a campaign with debt, with, like, publicly raised debt, unless it's money that the candidate personally raised themselves. Uh, and so S- Santos is like, oh, so I could just, like, second mortgage my house, no problem. And, of course, his wife is just, like, ears perk up, like, I'm, <laughs> like, I'm uh... sorry, what now? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, and... So they're they're considering this, and so it's just it becomes I, a pressure I mean, point. And Josh is like, Josh feels starts to feel guilty about it because he thinks Santos can't win, and he actually like goes to him and he's like, "You cannot sign that. You're like putting your entire financial future at stake for a campaign that basically has no shot." Yeah, at least in the moment that he's saying these words, he thinks the campaign has no shot. Yeah, and he's like, look, you can't do that to come in third place, I think is his, yeah. is his argument. Yeah. So, the, and literally two minutes after that, <laughs> we get... Well, the, hang on. <laughs> okay. Before we move along to the, the, the weird kind of twist here. So, first of all, Josh is the campaign manager for the Santos campaign. And having been, having participated in several campaigns at several levels here, typically there are like four people at what would be considered like the executive level of a given campaign and it's the campaign manager the second one's the finance director and then you've got like an outreach director and like something else right in whatever thing josh treats this dude (laughs) like he is a fucking like a volunteer 19 year old Uh from north and not the guy in charge of all of their money It is insane. Like, they haven't met... The condescension. They haven't even met before, which is, like, ridiculous. And look, if you're 
it, again, this so this is before Citizens United was passed. So maybe there's like a different kind of weird organizational wall between these two positions. But like, if you are, <laughs> if you are the one who keeps the lights on, like you're not phone banking, no, motherfucker. You're like you're filing paperwork right. and arranging for your vendors to right. get paid and, like, and overseeing an army of phone bankers, but you are not per- yeah. personally phone banking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And even if it's a question of like, he's the guy who's dialing for dollars. Cause it's been in the past. Like there've been times where I was involved with campaigns where like the finance director was also somebody who was like in the role of a fundraiser sure. such that you're managing like your, your whales. Sure. I guess is the way I would put like it. Like whale manager, but, VIP kind of thing. Yeah. Sure. But still like this is a national presidential campaign. Right. Your, your accountant is probably like, if he was in the private sector, he'd be like a VP at JP Morgan right. or something like right. he'd be in a big four firm. Right. But he's just like subdued, who's like you know just a guy from Ohio or whatever, and it's <laughs> Josh treats him like Josh that. treats him like absolute <laughs> dirt, yeah, just like the shit he scrapes off his shoe, and it's just and he's like he doesn't like the news, but he's just he doesn't respect the process or the man or anything about it. Well, and Matt Santos also doesn't. Yeah, he goes to talk to the candidate directly, and Matt's like, "Shouldn't you be on a phone dialing for dollars?" It's like. <laughs> No, you asshole. Like, <laughs> I'm here to tell you you're out of money. <laughs> yeah, and I'm here to... I'm the one who is going to have to literally tell the IRS that we cannot continue this campaign. Right. So... So we have we have our all is lost moment, basically, here, where yeah. they're, they're broke, they're going to be third in a three-man race, you know, all hope is dwindling, and, and Josh literally just comes forward to Matt and, like, in a private one-on-one conversation is like, you should just... You've, you've done a lot of good work. You've spread your message. It's time for you to just take a bow and exit the national stage. And it seems like Matt is like 50% on board with this idea or is at least going to like heavily consider it. And then literally like a minute later, Rana runs into the room being like, you guys got to see this. And we smash cut to all of them gathered around the TV as a, a, a second Hoyne sex scandal has struck the campaign. Which is just, it's so convenient. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like, give me a break. Yeah. So Hoyne, the, the news is talking about how Hoynes uh, sexually harassed like a staffer, a campaign staffer, something like that. And, uh, and given, you know, with his previous infidelity, this is effectively a campaign sinker. He immediately withdraws. And just like that, they go from third to second. And it's the, it's like the ultimate ex machina move to keep the campaign relevant. Which seems, and again, after six seasons of this, I'm like, okay, fine. But it also, it just seems so cheap. It's like, come on. Yeah, it's, it's funny too, because like, I do see that happening where, like, a guy who has one sex scandal runs and is actually doing okay, and then the second sex scandal hits. Because that sort of thing has actually happened all the time in politics. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I'll give them points for realism, but it is a total ex machina move to just be like, oh, and now the Santos campaign is second. And then, of course, donations come rolling in. They don't even have to worry about the second mortgage, and and the finances are fine, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and it's sort of... I think to your point about realism, it's also like they they portray happening what would happen 
if this sort of completely out of the blue thing right would would develop right here because they're like oh the phones are ringing off the hooks now right yeah just just before super tuesday conveniently literally all of this happens there's also this convenient subplot where uh so hoynes didn't travel to california because of the sex scandal yeah and so it let the Santos campaign get out there and campaign with no one competing against them because Bingo Bob's campaign was staying in New York for some other reason. And so it, which leads to our second ex machina, which is after the super Tuesday results come in, they win California. The Santos campaign wins California. Yeah. Just like sort of, I I think the only thing that kind of threw me about this was we didn't spend nearly enough time post all these developments to get you invested in the idea of winning California because it seems quite abrupt at the end of the episode right. where they just say, hey, come into the room. We won. Okay, off to the next thing. <laughs> holy, holy shit. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, and then literally he's in the hall being fed more lines about, okay, this next donor's going to call you. His kid went to Stanford. Uh, next. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's that weird, there's the weird, like, one-off, um, I don't even know what his position was, like, the the head of the California campaign, maybe, who looks like Noah Wiley, Yeah, the isn't. young guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah the he, young dude. We get more of him going forward. He's basically, like, I don't know, he's, he's the donation guy or whatever, because he's always feeding Santos... Like, oh, here's the info about this donor. I, I have an index card with, like, the three button points. Oh, yeah, he's like, um, who would, the, the guy at the court that would, that would whisper the names of the royals exactly. as they showed up to the king. Yeah, he's like that. Yeah, okay, yeah. so that you, he, Santos can get on the phone and go, hi, I, I remember you and your son who goes to Stanford. Give me money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that pretty much does it. Any, any final thoughts? I just... I mean, I, I have a big note about, like, the voting, like, in the support of La Palabra and stuff for whatever the issues, things is. It, I just said, as always, it's always just, like, there's no materialism anywhere. You you have so um, sublimated all of these things into this nebulous, high-minded concept of democracy, quote-unquote, even though... Again, it's a self-defeating concept because if it's nebulous and high-minded, it should just work itself out. And instead, here you are, like, grinding for 18 months in advance of even the general election or whatever just to make sure that, I guess, you can get yourself heard. Right, and just to, like, like, and to constantly have to hedge and to not take any real, like, radical stances on anything because, oh, if we're radical about this issue, we're going to alienate this part of the populace and we need them to win. And it's like that. You can find an excuse like that for every issue. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's a pet issue in every one of these states that they're talking about. And so if you if you accept that that's the case, you're going to be alienating an equivalent group of people in other states if you take a position on that issue. So why not just take a position on all of them? Right. And and try to attract people who agree with a majority of your positions. <laughs> or like and if you, who for whom again you're doing something right and if you have good positions that are materially going to help out a lot of people then this should be relatively straightforward well and my last note was basically just like republicans the republican party at large they might have like a completely wrong materialist perspective on this but they have but at one. least they have one <laughs> indeed 
That's, yeah, that's exactly it. They at least know that what their voters on the ground want, and they deliver it to them, which is lib ownage. Yeah, they, they want the libs to be owned, they want their taxes to be low, and, you know, they don't they don't want anybody who doesn't look like them yeah. to have power. And, so, and okay, a, cool. A Christo-fascist state, exactly. And so the Republicans are delivering on all fronts, and thus their voters <laughs> stay quite happy and engaged, and their base comes out every single time. And meanwhile, the Democrats go up there and they do nothing when they have power, and they they act shocked when their base is like, "Oh, this sucks." Well, and yeah, and they refuse to tell anybody anything good, and it's like, "Oh, um, so if I vote for you, what are you gonna do for me?" I don't know. <laughs> how how Why dare would I bother? First off, how dare you even ask me? <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> donate, motherfucker. And third of all, fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, and, I mean, pretty pretty prescient in that regard, because, holy shit, since the Roe v. Wade thing, like... They've, ma- what, they've made so much what is, in donations, like 80 million. What is, but, but what is even going, like, they... What are they donating their, their to? Their message is like, yeah. well, this is bad. Right. Like, yeah, no shit. Vote for us, and we'll make it less bad. Don't ask us how. <laughs> yeah, and we certainly aren't doing anything about it now. No. Nor did we do it before. No. When we had so, power and a lot more senators, yeah, like I love the the just like when they when they had fifty nine senators with Obama, they couldn't get it done. But they're like, oh, just give us two more and we'll totally get it done. Yeah, fifty two is a bigger number than fifty nine. Yeah. I don't know if you heard. Yeah, we could get a lot more done with fifty two than with fifty nine. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> All right, Ugh. but that does it for this episode of the Worst Wing. Thanks for listening. Uh, this was a fun episode to watch, like it moved, uh, even if the politics of it were, uh, as always, a bit infuriating, but at least it was entertaining. Uh, like I said, I just appreciate any episode now that sticks with the campaign and doesn't bring us back mm-hmm. to the boring ass White House. Ooh. So Ooh. hopefully, oh boy, hopefully the next Dude. episode is not back in the White House. Dude, the next episode is back in the White House, but it is the universe, it is the universally um, least or lowest acclaimed episode of the show. It is titled 90 Miles Away. Uh, that's not ringing any... Is this about Cuba, I assume? Based, it is about Cuba. Based on that title? Yeah. It is about Cuba, I, I have and been to everybody that, hates this one. I have been to that point in Key West, by the way, that it officially marks the 90 miles from Cuba point. So, <laughs> yep. I've been there. Uh, but yeah, Oof. oh boy. So we'll have a lot to tackle next episode, which we hope you. <laughs> speaking of, <laughs> you, you hope you'll yeah, join speaking us. Speaking of Gusanos, like yeah. let's let's do it. Yeah, uh, we hope you'll join us for that. That'll be fun. We'll dig into that. Um, if you found the show, hi, welcome. You can email the show at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. which is nice. Which is always nice. Uh, we always appreciate comments in our threads. Uh, any feedback, questions, etc. But uh, that does it for this episode of the Worst Wing. Bye-bye, everyone. Stay safe. Bye. Stay safe. all the money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on over.